Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This is your host, Ryan Finney, and this is my podcast, The Word Up Podcast. This is a place where we dive into God's Word, we learn about the context of the content that we're reading, and then we learn about how to apply it to our life today. If you're new to the podcast, I want to say welcome. I'm glad you're listening today. If you're an existing listener, I also want to say welcome. I'm glad that you're listening today as well. And uh, you may have noticed that we haven't released an episode in a while. The last time we released an episode was December 2021. Now, my hope was always to release at least one episode a month. And for 2022, that hasn't happened. For 2021, we did that. Uh, That was my goal, but I also had some other goals this year, which has kind of led me to today. Um, About a few months ago, don't really remember exact dates, I was asked to uh, deliver a message for my church, and we are going through the book of Colossians, and so I was given the the chunk of scripture, Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, all the way through chapter 2, verse 10, and it was a lot of, a lot of scripture. Um, it was my first time giving a sermon on a Sunday morning, and it was a lot of fun. And so today's episode is going to be that sermon. I thought it'd be really great to to deliver it today to, for you guys to listen to. And like I said, it's part of a bigger series our church is diving into. So I'll leave uh, in the show notes. I'll leave a little description uh, link to our to our website that you can check out the rest of our Colossian uh, sermon series as well as where I go to church. And so, with no further ado, I like to uh, dive into my message. I hope you enjoy it, and thanks for listening. Let me introduce myself before I get into scripture, because I think that's really important. Um, I watched a movie recently, and the guy's like, allow myself to introduce myself. So, allow myself to introduce myself. Uh, my name is Ryan. You've probably seen me around. I've done announcements the last couple of weeks. I also do play drums. Um, I asked if I could play drums this morning. They said, no, you need to preach. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, so I'm married to my beautiful wife. She's in the front row. Uh, her and I, we also serve on the worship team. She's one of the worship leaders. We serve in the prayer team, too, so we get to pray for everybody as the prayer requests come in. And we have two beautiful, gorgeous, and ornery children uh, our son, Graham, he's about four years old, and our daughter, Lucy, will turn two this fall. And uh, it is fun being a parent. It is. So last night, uh, last night, I went on a date with my wife, and dates are important, so husbands, go on dates with your wife, always, if you can. So uh, we went on a date, and I asked my wife the question. I said, "Hun, what was it that, that you felt that really attracted you to me when we first started dating? Now, before I tell you these, uh, these answers, which are funny, uh, I got to give you some backstory. So my wife and I, we started dating long distance. You see, we met at a worship leader's retreat. I wasn't there, but that's where we met. Um, and it was, in, it was in Colorado. That's where I was born and raised and grew up. So that's why I'm kind of awkward. Colorado people are kind of relaxed, a little different. Um, and my wife, she was born and raised here. So the first four or five months, we dated long distance. And during those times, we would talk on the phone a lot. So I asked her last night, what were the things? And she said, I really loved your voice. You've got a really awesome phone voice. Oh, okay. 
awesome. I said, was there anything else that you really liked during those first few months? And she said, yeah, you were really smooth. I was. I was. Hopefully I still am. Uh, And then I said, was there anything else that you found really attractive? And she said, yeah, you were really mysterious also. Oh, I was. Okay, what does that mean? Like, she said, well, every time we talked, you always kind of left me with, like, I wanted to know more about you. There was something I just, how does this guy do what he does? How is he so smooth? There's something I want to know more about him. It's mysterious. So if there's anybody that's dating right now, pull the mysterious card out. They'll love you for it. (laughs) Then I asked her the question, which I don't advise asking this question. Uh, I said, had any of these things changed since we've been married? So we've almost been married for 10 years. I think it'll be eight years this fall. So I said, Did, is there anything that's changed since we started dating to, to today? And she says, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, tell me. <laughs> so she says, uh, I still love your voice. That's good. Even though we don't talk on the phone that often, we still obviously see each other every day. So I'm glad you still love my voice. Uh, do you think I'm smooth? She's like, "Eh." okay, okay, so I got to work on my smoothness. And then I said, am I still, like, mysterious? Is there some sort of mystery about me that you still like? Nope. (laughs) Oh, so you know everything about me. Yep. I don't even know myself. And she knows more about me than I do. I mean, she dressed me this morning. Um, Not, like, physically. She just picked out what I was going to wear. So I said to her, I pulled out some Bible verses. I said, so the mystery of me has been fully revealed to you. She says, what? No. I said, what is it? What is it about me? She said, well, you're not mysterious anymore. You're not really a mystery. You're just sort of weird. (laughs) Okay. And then she finished this one up, and she says, but I still love you. Yes. (laughs) So I've been thinking a lot about mysteries lately. We just read in our scripture about a mystery that's been revealed and I just told you a story about how I was mysterious and that attracted my, her, my wife to me. But what is it about mysteries that kind of attract us to them? Maybe you're like me and you grew up in the 80s and 90s and watched the television show Unsolved Mysteries. Anybody watch Unsolved Mysteries? Yeah, that is a, I love that show. I was way too young to be watching it. Thanks, Mom. Um, <laughs> she probably wasn't even around when I was watching it. But, uh, because I was was that kid that snuck in and watched when I wasn't supposed to watch TV, you know. So I was watching Unsolved Mysteries, and there's something about the show that really captured and grabbed my attention. I don't know what it was. Like, if it was Solved Mysteries, there probably wouldn't have been successful, right? Well, we got the Solved Mysteries solved today. What? That doesn't make sense, right? Unsolved Mystery. Now, that's a TV show that'll grab your attention, I really like the, the part where at the end of the episode, they would say, if you have anything, any detail, according to this mystery, please call 1-800-UNSOLVED-MYSTERIES. I'm five years old. I don't know anything. So you call them. So I call them. Hey, I got some stuff for you. Well, I've been thinking about mysteries of life, mysteries of people, mysteries of why we exist today. Maybe you've asked yourself that question, like, who am I exactly? My wife knows, but who am I? Uh, Why do I exist? Why was I put on this planet? What is the purpose of my life? And maybe you're a really good Christian. You've asked, what is the Lord's will for my life? 
Anybody ever asked those questions before? Yeah. Those are really good questions to ask. And there, I don't, is there any young people in the crowd today? Some young people. Maybe you remember this as you were growing up. They always ask the question, what are you going to be when you grow up? Have anybody ever received that question before? What are you going to be when you grow up? I still get that question. I'm in my 30s. Um, and then you get to college, and they say, what are you going to major in? What are you going to minor in? What kind of job are you going to have? What kind of career are you looking for? Are you sure that career is going to last 30 or 40 or 50 years from now? Because, you know, the economy in this job market, I don't know if that's going to work out. And at the whole time you're saying, dude, I don't know, just leave me alone, right? You try to figure out the mysteries of life. Try to figure out what it is that I'm here to do. And at the same time, the world is trying to define you in this moment. They're trying to define you by how much money you make, what tax bracket you in, you're in. They're trying to define you on what kind of house you own, whether you're in an apartment or a home, what kind of part of town you live in, what part of town you don't live in, whether it's the north side, the south side, the east side, the west side. But the whole time, this world is trying to define who you are and why you are here. In our reading today, Paul says, in verse 24, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known. The mystery, there is that word, mystery, hidden for, gen- for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. So most modern day translations uh, take the Greek word, I'm in the dark, there we go, okay. Uh, they take the Greek word, and I'll explain what that is, and they say mystery. Most of the translations that you have today is mystery. And I think that's a good translation. I think that's actually a great translation, but I also think it's misleading in a way. Because it makes me think about, is God a mystery? Is there some uh, mysteriousness, I don't know if that's a word, uh, of God that I need to try to figure out? And the reality and the answer to that is no. God is not a mystery. God is not mysterious. Yes, he works in mysterious ways that we may never understand. But he is not a mystery and he's not mysterious. He has made himself fully known through his son, Jesus Christ. So why, and this is a good question, as you're reading through the Bible, ask yourself, why? Um, Why would Paul say the mystery was hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed? Why would he say that in this letter? Well, because Paul, he knows who he's writing to. And he could have said the promise of the Hebrew scriptures have been fulfilled. It's pretty straight. He could have said the law has now been fulfilled through Jesus. Again, okay, I understand that. Or there's a new covenant relationship with God. Okay. But instead, he says the mystery has now been revealed. Paul is empowered through the Holy Spirit to write exactly what the people of Colossae and the people today at New Wine Church need to hear today and then. You see, the people of Colossae are not very different from you and me. They're asking questions like, what is the great mystery of life? 
And who am I? Why am I here? What is the purpose of this life? So I want to look at this word mystery. Why does Paul use this word mystery? Where does it come from exactly? Are you guys ready for some Greek? Yes. Yes. Okay. I don't know Greek that well, but I'm learning. So have grace. (laughs) Um, So mystery. It comes from the Greek word mysterion. Go ahead and say mysterion. Perfect. All right. You guys, now on to year two of Greek. Um, It's all about figuring out the context of the word. So mysterion. Mysterion is a sacred word. That's where we get the word mystery. It's also where we get a few other words as well. But when you're translating Greek to English, it's really important to look at the context of how it's being used and what you're going to translate it to. For example, I would say secret. Now, there's another word that means secret in Greek, and that is cryptos. Go ahead and say cryptos. That's where we get the word encrypted. Like there's an encrypted message that needs deciphering. That sounds a lot like a secret, right? Yeah. But again, it's all about context. So this word mysterion, it's used in all of Paul's letters. You'll see it. Mystery here, mystery there. And why does he use mysterion? Because it's written in a sacred context. You see, cryptos, he could have used cryptos, but that means he would have been written, writing, writing, one of those words, writing in a secular context. You see, today, you and I are seating, seated, we are here. <laughs> we are here in a high school, but we are also in a sacred space, a sacred place of worship where we can bow down, where we can learn, and where we can just fix our eyes on God. We are in a sacred place. We are in a sacred space. However, this high school was built for a secular meaning. You see, the context is really important. So, back to this word, mysterion. I would translate verse 26 as the sacred secret. See that? The sacred secret. Hidden for ages and generations is now revealed to his holy ones, has now been revealed to you and to me, to the church of Colossae, and to all people that follow God. So again, here's the, the why. Why would this secret, sacred, sacred secret uh, be revealed? What's so important? What's the point of this being revealed? Why would Paul go out of his way to write a letter to a church he's ever been to? You remember, he's in chains right now, writing this letter. Not right now, but you know, when he's writing the letter. He's in chains, and he's writing, and he's encouraging a church he's never even seen, he's never even been to, and he's sending it to a messenger. Why? Well, again, Paul is empowered through the Holy Spirit, but he also is convinced. He's convinced of the power and the purpose of God. He knows that God has always had the desire to invite all people group into the family of God. That's exactly what Paul is doing. That's exactly what God is doing right now. He knows the heart of God. He knows the heart of Jesus. And that is to include all people into the family of God. And the secret is this. The secret is Christ's role in salvation. 
God is in the God is in the business of redeeming and restoring all of his creation through revealing himself. He is in the business of redeeming and restoring you and restoring me. That's what the business of Jesus is in right now. He's in the business of redeeming and restoring his creation. I really love how the message translation says this. It says, the mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time. But now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out. Regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing, the mystery, in a nutshell, is just this. Christ in you. Therefore, you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. The big secret is out. And that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. How are you guys doing? All right. (laughs) Paul continues by giving instruction on what to do with this secret. So if I shared a secret with you right now, your duty with that secret would be to keep it, right? Like, you know not to share that secret because you don't do that when I give you a secret. Well, that's not what Paul is saying here. He said, I'm going to give you the secret. We're going to reveal this secret. And then I'm going to give you instruction on what to do with this secret because that's really important. And as we study through the book of Colossians, I really want to encourage everybody here today or whether you're online to take this next chunk of scripture, write it down, study it, memorize it, tattoo it, do whatever you want to do with it, but really focus on what he's saying because I really believe that this letter centers around this next chunk. He says in chapter 2, verse 6, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Paul gives the church encouragement. He gives us instruction. To walk in the Lord just as we have received him. So how do we become complete? How do we become mature in Christ? It's by living in Christ and realizing who you are in him. It's by living in Christ and realizing who you are in him. That is realizing that you aren't living the way that people are telling you to live. You aren't living the way even that you are telling yourself how to live, but you're living in the realization of who Jesus says you are in him. What does this mean? Well, it doesn't mean it's Jesus plus me over here, and it doesn't mean that it's Jesus and me, and it doesn't mean that I'm on team Jesus and I'm batting a thousand and look at me. No, it means it's Jesus in me, Jesus in you. Do you see the difference? Jesus in you, the hope of glory. Paul says to the church in Ephesus, and you also were included in Christ. When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, 
the promised Holy Spirit. You are signed, sealed, and delivered. Wait a minute. There's a song in that. You are signed, sealed, delivered. (laughs) We're going to need that song at the end. Come on. But it's true. You are signed and sealed and delivered by the Holy Spirit. And we mature and continue in him in the same way we received him. That is grace through faith. He says to the church, again in Ephesus chapter 2, verses 4 through 8, but because of his great love for us, who? Who? Come on. God, who is rich in mercy, made us, what? Oh, do you believe it? Made us alive. There we go. It's okay to be loud in church. Made us alive with church even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. How you guys doing? Good. So in front of my house, if you've ever been to my house, you might have noticed there's a huge oak tree. This thing is ginormous. It's like 100 feet tall, maybe even 100 feet wide. I don't know. But I, I love this tree, and I also hate this tree. And if you have trees, you probably know the feeling. You love it in the summertime because it casts, like for my house, it casts a shadow when the sun is setting. My house faces west, and so it casts a shadow on my house during the summertime, and it makes it relatively cool. But in the fall time, I hate this tree. You know, you know it because through October to like the end of December, maybe even longer, I'm outside every weekend. I love being outside, but I'm outside raking and blowing and mowing leaves and it's constant every weekend but I love this tree and I hate this tree now there's something special about this tree about 40 45 years ago somebody took this tree whether it was in seed form or a smaller version of itself and they planted it in the ground And they didn't just leave it there for it to figure out how to do life. No, they watered it. They nurtured it. They loved it. Right? And what happened? The roots grew deep into the ground. And it was able to be fully established. You see the connection? Right? Now, without the watering and the nurturing and the love and the care, this tree and its roots would never have gone deep. It would have never been established, and it would have died the next season. Have you ever planted a tree and it never came back? Yeah. And it, it's not very fun, because you've got to replant it, and you've got to figure it out the hard way. We've, it's happened to us before. I love what Psalm 1 says. He says, uh, it says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step of the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. 
whatever they do prospers. So as we continue to nurture the secret, as we continue to nurture the seed, the roots of Jesus will go deep into your life. They will start to create a new creation in you as you walk in him, as you nurture this secret. And there's a great way to actually check to see how well you are rooted. Did you know that? No. Oh, okay. Well, there's this really awesome way. Uh, Paul talks about it in Galatians 5. He talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And he also talks about works of the flesh, right? That's a great comparison of what's going on. If you have love, I don't have these memorized, I'm sorry. Love, joy, peace, patience. Oh, whoa. We've got some. Come on up. (laughs) But if you have those things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, that is fruit of the Spirit. That is fruit of the Spirit. If you have hate, anger, gossip, debauchery, that's a fun one. No, it's not, right? Uh, If you have those things, those are works of the flesh. And it's a great way of figuring out how well you are rooted and what areas of life you are rooted in. So, Paul reveals this secret. He gives us instruction how, how to live. And then he gives us a warning to live by. And this is out of my own translation, the RFV. That's Ryan Finney version. So, take it as you will. He says, be on guard that you are not taken captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. This phrase here, elemental spirits, some translations say elemental principles, and all that is are spirits, entities, things of the spiritual realm that are not of God. They are unholy spirits. And their whole thing right now, and for a long time, is that they have been rebelling against God. They continue to rebel against God. And they're trying to get you off of the track of following Jesus. They're trying to influence you to get off the track of following Jesus. And Paul gives us a warning about this. He's saying, don't be enamored by the spirits, the unholy spirits. Don't assign importance or power to these spirits of the supernatural world that are not of God. They're not of Christ. Don't be led off the path of following him. Don't let these things distract you from the gospel and from the message. And don't trade Jesus for these things. Don't trade Jesus for power. Don't trade Jesus for position. Don't trade Jesus for promotion. Don't trade Jesus for hype. And don't trade Jesus for that emotional experience you're really, really wanting. Don't trade Jesus for things of this world. That's what he's saying. You know, in in World War II, the rise of uh, Nazi Germany, it looked really 
awesome to those in Nazi Germany. There were even church, churches and leaders and pastors that followed the hype of Nazi Germany. Now, of course, we know that there are some that didn't, like Bonhoeffer, right? But they knew not to trade Jesus for the new and hot thing. He says in Colossians 2, 9 through 11, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. He is the head over every power and authority. Let's say it one more time. He is the head over every power and authority. There's some ton, there's a lot of rich theology there. And if you were here last week, actually, well, what we covered last week goes uh, in with what we're covering this week. So I really want to encourage you. Matt really looked at that, and it goes one in one, hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. But in essence, what he's saying here is that you, you are a result of what Jesus did for you. You are complete in him. So there's like this cause and effect, right? There's a cause and effect. What Jesus did for you and what you are, he went to the cross and he died. And in, in, and in him, and in him, you are complete. He is the cause and you are the status of the result. You have your completeness as a result of being in him. And Jesus, he is head over every power and authority. Do you believe it? So I want to share a story with you guys. Because sometimes for me, when I read scripture, and I do the checks and balances of of life, I don't always see what's happening. So, since childhood, I had struggled with anxiety. And when I got to high school, middle school actually, when I was in middle school, I was struggling so much with anxiety that it made me physically ill. I would get sick to my stomach. And then I learned something. I learned how to manage this anxiety. I learned how to push it down. I learned how to push it away. And I started to be confident in who I was. But the anxiety was always there. And I was able to manage it. Now, fast forward to about five or six years ago, this anxiety has started to get really bad. It started creeping up. And I was managing it and walking out life. But it kept coming up. It started making its way up. And occasionally, it would go over. It would spill over, right? And if you were in the pathway when my anxiety spilt over, you better watch out. Because I'm going to say nasty things. I'm going to get really weird. Okay? And my character all of a sudden shifts. But don't worry, because I can manage this anxiety. Well, my anxiety kept creeping up. It kept coming up. And I became more and more anxious. But I could deal with this. 
And what happened was I started to become depressed. I started to realize I couldn't deal with this anxiety, and now it's got a grip on my life, and now I'm in a state of depression. And now that depression is moving forward to a state of anger. I am angry because I'm depressed. I'm depressed because I have anxiety. And now I'm in this cycle that's really, really bad. Now, to you, in the outside world, you might have not even noticed, because I can manage this really well. But what was happening was this anxiety, this depression, and this anger was destroying my life. And it was destroying not just my life, it was destroying the relationship that I have with my wife as well as my family. It was bad. I was in this bad cycle of destruction. Okay, so fast forward to about five months ago. I'm in small group. If you're not part of a small group, join a small group. Amen. Amen. And at the end of our small group, we always have a time where we ask, does anybody need prayer for anything? Well, in the back of my head, I can hear God kind of whispering, bring this to the light. Bring what to the light? I'm fine. I've been managing this. I'm fine. I'm okay. God's saying, bring this to the light. Does anybody else have anything they need prayer for? Nope, I'm good. I'm all right. I'm tough. I can manage this. Does anybody else need any prayer? Nope. And God, the whole time, is saying, bring it to the light. These people love you. They care for you. They are here for you. Bring it to the light. Let them pray for you. And something happened. I opened my mouth up, and I said, yeah, I need prayer. And Sherry was there, and Matt was there. And I said, they said, what's going on? And I said, I've been full of anxiety. I've been full of depression. And before I could even finish what was going on, the small group surrounded me. They laid their hands on me, and they prayed for me, and they declared truth over me. And in that moment, something was broken. And in that moment, I had never seen anxiety or depression or anger being at the level after they prayed for me. Something was broken. I share that story because I wasn't allowing the roots of Jesus to go deep into areas that I could manage. I wasn't allowing the roots of Jesus and his truth into anxiety, over depression, over anger. And as they prayed for me, I started to step into a new creation in him. So I share that because I believe today there are people here that you're trying to manage anxiety. You're trying to manage whatever it is that you're going through. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's you're trying to manage finances. Maybe it's promotion. Maybe it's something that you're trying to figure out on your own strength. And what I wanted to do is I want to invite the worship team back up 
And we're going to respond in a time of, of worship and prayer. And as they make, it up, make their way up, I'm going to pray for us. But I also want to encourage anybody out there today, whether you're fighting your own battles, whether you're trying to manage your own thing, I believe today God is going to break something that you're trying to do, and you're going to allow the roots of Jesus to go deep into your life. So would you stand with me? And I'm going to pray over us. But I also know that these moments are hard. And so I want to encourage everybody around, if you're fighting anxiety or depression or there's something that you can manage, but you know only Jesus can do it for you, would you have the courage to just raise your hand, if anybody? Okay, there's somebody right here. There's somebody over here. If you see, keep your hands raised up. I want the people around you to look, and we're going to, everybody is on the prayer team. doesn't matter if you're in the prayer team or not. Everybody is on the prayer team. And would you just, there's somebody over here. Would you just surround people today? Would you surround those that need Jesus to take deep root? Would you allow the power of Jesus to fall today? So I'll pray, and then we're going to respond and worship. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you that you are head over every power and authority. We thank you that you create new life and new creation, and that you're inviting us into this new life and in new, this new creation, Lord. I pray right now that power of anxiety would be broken. I would pray right now that power of depression would be broken. God, I pray right now that only you can do what you can do. Right now, Lord. Lord, we love you. We love you, Lord. That was a powerful, powerful Sunday. I remember during prayer time, we have two services, and um, both services, there are so many hands up and so many people praying for each other. And I just want to encourage my listeners here today, you know, if you are like me, and you are fighting a fight, or you're fighting a fight right now, that you know you can't do, that you can't manage anymore, I just want to encourage you to seek the Lord, seek those around you to pray for you, get people to surround you in prayer and declare truth over you, over you today. It is really important. Things will be broken off in your life. The enemy has things over you, your life right now that the Holy Spirit, that God wants to break off. And so I just want to encourage you to seek prayer and um, the Lord is inviting you into this new life. Thanks again for listening. Hopefully we will see you soon.